are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on March 23rd of 2021. Uh, got the injury bug just still creeping its head up um, as spring training you know, starts to wind down as we got about two weeks, or no, actually a week until uh, opening day, pretty much a week from this Thursday. And uh, got an extension that happened this week, and then we're going to bring our 2021 NL predictions this week with awards and who we think uh, the wildcard teams are going to be. But before we jump into all that, let me bring my co-host in. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing all right. Um, just um, hanging out this week and working and just chilling. How about yourself? Uh, just, you know, trying to do all this. It's been crazy. Just scheduled to uh, to go get my vaccines today. Uh, so start the first one on Saturday, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, got some trips coming, so... Thinking ahead, I think it's going to be a uh, mandatory, so I might as well just get it out of the way right now. Yeah, I hear you. I just got eligible for it, but since I've already had the virus back in the fall, I figured I'd wait a little while so some people who need it real bad can uh, can get it, and I don't want to take any up that people need. So yeah, but. hopefully this uh, hopefully it's starting to round the corner, and we can you know, you know, we already got some fans back in the stands, but hopefully by the end of this year we'll be back to a hundred percent normal. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can't wait well, for that. Uh, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, we'll start with uh, kind of the injury bug again. Um, one that we found out today was Zach Gallen, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. He has a forearm fracture in his right right forearm. Um, no timeline, but they did say he can still play light catch um, as he's still going to be able to rehab that. Yeah, that's an unfortunate uh, injury to have. And, of course, you know, you hear about a forearm injury and you're thankful that it's a hairline fracture as opposed to some other things that can be the case. Like, a lot of times you hear about, like, forearm tightness being a UCL symptom. But, um, luckily, this is just a stress fracture. Um, I mean, it stinks for Zach Gallen to miss some time. But, you know, hopefully with the Diamondbacks being in the position they're in right now, um, there's no rush for him to return. So hopefully they'll let him fully heal up and, uh, you know, maybe he might miss a little bit of time, but by the time he's healthy, he can uh, put up some good numbers this year as he has in the past. So, uh, yeah, he's been, he's been quietly emerging as probably the best starter that Arizona has. Um, you know, they get, got him in that deal for jazz Chisholm. Um, and he's looked really good, especially, uh, especially last season. He looked really, really good. Absolutely. He's a, he's a solid pitcher. So. Yeah, well, we'll jump over to Chris Sale. Um, he's not thrown yet. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's elbow-related. He is still recovering from that Tommy John surgery, but it doesn't seem like this is related to that in any way. Yeah, they said a non-elbow-related setback had occurred with him. He is not thrown at all, and that puts him pretty far behind schedule. So, um, you know, we talked this week, heard about Justin Verlander throwing a little bit. You know, obviously, he's not going to return anytime soon, but you know, it's a step in the right direction. And, um, you know, it really stinks to hear that Chris Sell's not throwing at all. And it sounds like he's behind schedule. You know, I, I was hoping that we might see him at some point this year, but it sounds like that might not happen. So uh, we'll see, though. Yeah, I mean, Boston, I mean, it's going to be a down season for Boston really anyways. Um, so, I mean, it's not really in any rush to hurry Chris Sale back. Yeah. I mean, it, the thing is that stinks for Boston is, 
I mean, you could squint your eyes and you could look at their lineup and some of the players they have, like Bogarts, Devers, um, you know, maybe have a couple of breakout players. Verdugo's really good, too. Have a couple of breakout players, like maybe Bobby Dahlback or something. Christian Vasquez is a good player. You could squint your eyes and see that, and maybe if Chris Sale came back strong and Eduardo Rodriguez coming back from, you know, being out last year, you could maybe see a team Evaldi bounces back. You could see maybe a team that could contend for the log card, but uh, without Chris Sale, I just don't see that happening. So stinks for Boston, but of course, um, you know, hopefully Chris Sale rec- you know recovers fully uh, more so than quickly. I mean, obviously, we want him to recover quickly and fully, but. I'd rather him get back to 100% in 2022 than try to rush it back halfway through this year and need another Tommy John. So, Absolutely. Uh, well, another guy that we've talked about, you know, especially last week we talked about him, um, and that's Carlos Cookie Carrasco. He's re-injured that hamstring, um, and it looks like he's going to be out through April, or through a- late April at least. So looking probably at May by the time we're going to see Carlos Carrasco in a major league mound if he doesn't have any more setbacks. Yeah, this was the worry with Carrasco from the time uh, the Mets traded for him. You know, he's had his health issues the past couple of years, uh, some of them not baseball related, but, um, you know, he has had baseball related injuries as well. And, um, you know, how much is he going to be able to get you out on the mound? And, uh, you know, right now it's not looking like not looking too, too bright there. Um, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, obviously with uh, Francisco Lindor coming in in that trade, you know, Carrasco wasn't the key piece, but still, um, you know, you look at uh, you look at Carlos Carrasco, and you you would hope that he would be a part of that rotation because behind their big two guys in Degrom and and Stroman, you look at Cinder and possibly Cindergard, how depending on how healthy he is uh, coming back from Tommy John, you really need another guy or two because, as we'll talk about here in a little bit in our predictions, the NL East is a bloodbath. So you're going to need all your all arms on deck, all hands on deck to be a to, to win that division or, or really to contend in that division. And um, you know, miss it, having your one of your top pitchers miss a lot of time is not going to be a good thing for the Mets. So yeah, and you know, with the questions already surrounding what Marcus Stroman was going to give you this year, you know, being out last year and then now cookie being down, it's really a hit to that starting rotation. You know, we thought Jacob DeGrom was going to get a lot of help this year with Stroman and Carrasco and, you know, Noah Syndergaard coming back at some point. And as of right now, it doesn't, you know, Stroman looks like the only healthy one, um, you know, to back up uh, Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, and right now, you know, Stroman in his career has been like a number three, a, a mid-rotation yeah. arm. So right now you've got your, obviously, the ace uh, of the staff and really the best pitcher in baseball right now in DeGrom. But then you go down to number two, number three, you're looking at Stroman. He can maybe fit into a number two spot if he has a really good year. But behind that, I mean, you're looking at Dustin Peterson as your number three right now at the start of the season with Carrasco being out, Syndergaard still being out. And then you yeah. don't know what you're going to get from a Carrasco who's been injured a lot and missed a lot of time over the last year and a half, or a Syndergaard who's coming off of a Tommy John surgery, especially for a guy that, you know, his whole skill set is his stuff. Obviously, Syndergaard's got other things that make him good. Like, he, he does control very well for someone who throws 100, but his stuff is what makes him so special. And, um, you know, if there's any fall off in that stuff, if there's any fall off in his control to start start off coming back from Tommy John, you know, it's going to be a big deal. And they're going to have to rely on him, I believe, to, to have a big time 
season as soon as he comes back. So, which is tough to do with Tommy John. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Hopefully, um, as we've said so many times, we're all pulling for Carrasco with all he's been through. So hopefully he doesn't miss too much time and he can come back healthy. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't. Another guy who we don't want to see miss too much time, um, and it sounds like he he avoided something very big here. Um, but that was Fernando Tatis. He ended up leaving the game early today with some left shoulder discomfort. Um, he fielded a ball in the hole, turned and threw it, and then next thing you know, he just put his basically his hand on his hip and started walking off the field. Um, he'll be reevaluated tomorrow, but all the stuff coming out from after that, it sounds like he should be fine. Um, but it's going to be pretty worrisome if it is a, a bigger deal, especially with that being his lead shoulder um, when he bats. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. is a guy who is irreplaceable for the Padres. They they just don't. There's no way they could replace him in their lineup. And um, he's, you know, he left shoulder discomfort is definitely something that is worrisome. And we've seen it the last couple of years with even if you're able to play through that, you know, you've had a couple of guys who have played, tried to play through that shoulder injury and really struggled. Like, you know, we talked about Nolan Arenado last year. He had by far the worst hitting career, hitting year of his career last year, nursing a little bit of a shoulder injury. So um, hopefully it ends up being nothing, but we'll see. I'm, you know, it might hinder him at the very beginning of the season. The season's only a week away, so we'll see, but. Yeah. Um, so we'll jump on to our next guy, which is uh, Kirby Yates. It sounds like he's going to need Tommy John surgery. Uh, he missed, I believe, all of last year, or he only threw like one inning last year for the Padres. Um, and he had been dealing with some elbow issues, opted not to have Tommy John surgery. Um, and then came in, come into spring training, it looked like he was pretty healthy. And then it, he ended up getting, I think it was a flexor strain in his latest uh, grapefruit outing. And now it's pretty much that Tommy John is recommended and that that will take him out for the year. Yeah, that stinks. Um, obviously you're glad that he was able to get his payday without having the Tommy John surgery. Cause you know, when you have a reliever that gets Tommy John and comes back, it's typically going to be a minor league contract. So, you know, you're glad that he was able to get, you know, get his money, but um, man, that stinks for him. And it really stinks for the Blue Jays. You just signed a guy who you badly needed a reliever. You signed a guy who was one of the best ones out there. And all of a sudden now he needs Tommy John surgery. But anytime you sign a reliever, especially one coming off an injury like, like Kirby Yates had last year, um, you know, it's always a risk. And, I mean, this risk looks like it's probably not going to turn out going in their direction unless he gets a second opinion that says he doesn't need Tommy John. But, you know. That happens every now and then, but it's rare. So, Well, and even if this case, even if he does get that second opinion and he doesn't need Tommy John, he's still looking to be out for quite a while during the regular season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, he'll miss a lot of time with this regardless, but, um, you know, you would hope that he'd be able to pitch this year if, if that's the case. But uh, Tommy John's probably going to be the case here, and he'll be out until next year for sure. Most likely. Uh, well, another piece of Blue Jays news, this one's kind of on a bigger scale even. Um, you know, Kirby Yates is good, but he's no George Springer. Um, and George Springer had a grade two oblique strain. Um, they said that he's progressing well and that he might be able to be for opening day, but oblique strains are very something that you have to be really, really careful with. And if you come back too soon, then you can really risk a longer period of time. Um, I think obliques are usually about four to six weeks. 
Yeah, something like that. It just depends on the on the severity of it, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to rush an oblique, especially for a big power hitter like Springer. I mean, a lot of you know, you get a lot of your power from that twist, and that torque in your swing, and that torque all is put right on that oblique. And if you come back too soon, swing your bat and swing it a little awkward or something, that can tear that oblique right right up. So um, hopefully, um, hopefully he's able to recover. I could probably see him missing the first week or so of the season just as a precaution. Uh, but luckily, this happened, in, you know, in spring training. If it had happened in the regular season, he might miss three or four weeks. But with there still being a week left of spring training, maybe he doesn't miss quite as much time. So, um, but I mean, obviously, the Blue Jays all of a sudden with these injuries are, um, you know, they're going to need they're going to need these guys to get back and get back quickly. So, yeah, I mean. If, if Springer's out for any part of time, really, it's going to hurt that. I mean, they were a team that was already going to be battling with the Rays and the Yankees for, you know, that division. And if the, their big, two big free agent signings of this offseason are, are missing, you know, a full season and then, you know, however long Springer misses with this oblique strain, it's going to be very hard for them to keep up with that division. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but we'll jump to a little bit of good news. Um, and this is one that, you know, it's we've been dealing with since the playoffs last year. Um, and that's Denilson Lamette. Uh, sounds like he's going to make his Cactus League debut tomorrow versus the Giants. He's already been pitching in some simulated games. Um, but this is good news, especially for all Padres fans. If Denilson Lamette is able to get onto the mound right now, then maybe you're looking at him only missing a month or so of the season um, as he starts building himself up. And that's a that's a big arm that can go in that rotation. Oh, yeah. Denilson Lamette had a really good season last year. He's a good pitcher. Um, you know, he had been throwing a lot of fastballs, I believe, in his simulated games. So if he's able to throw some sliders now, um, that that's a big deal for him and his recovery. Um, hopefully he comes out and is able to pitch well against some good competition tomorrow. Um, and, you know, hopefully he ends up, you know, getting back into that rotation pretty quickly because without Clevenger in there, you know, you have a couple other guys. You have Snell and Darvish, but you really want to get Lamette back as soon as you can, um, you know, because I don't know how great their depth is in their rotation. So I don't know how great Chris Paddock is going to do, but um, but definitely. And, and Musgrove is kind of a – I think Musgrove is going to do well, but he's a little bit of a wild card still too. So um, you hope to see uh, Lamette get back pretty early, and I, I think he will. And I think if he comes back, I think he's really, really good. I, I don't think last season – even with the 60 game season, I don't think it was a fluke that he was one of the better pitchers in the in the National League. So, uh, very interesting though. Hopefully, he gets back soon, and uh, we'll see though. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, even as a Dodger fan, he's tore us up, but uh, I definitely want want to see him back out there. He's uh, he's very fun to watch uh, for the uh, the skill set that he has. So, uh, well. We had someone sign an extension this week, and that's Salvador Perez. He re-signed with the Kansas City Royals on a four-year, $82 million deal uh, with a club option that could take the deal to five years, $91.5 million overall. Yeah, um, this is an interesting deal. If you look at Salvador Perez's numbers as a big leaguer, they're, they're, they're okay. They're not great. Um, but, you know... He, he's a good defensive catcher. Uh, sometimes he's been a great defensive catcher. Um, you know, in, in 2014 or 2013, he was probably the best defensive catcher in the league, put up three and a half wins above replacement. But, um, 
you know, he's a free swinger, strikes out a ton. So at the plate, it's just okay. This past year, put up a, a career best line in thir- in uh in 37 games, but you know he had he hit real well, th- hit 333. But he also had a BABIP that was about 75 or 100 points above his career numbers. So um, he he really had some luck on balls in play. Very low walk rate in his career. He's got a 3.4 percent career walk rate. So at the plate. He's very average. In fact, his his WRC plus for his career is 99. I mean, he's the definition of average at the plate. Defensively, at times he's been really good. There's been a couple seasons where he wasn't great, but um, I expect to see him. And he can. And he's also a catcher that plays almost every day. So I expect to see him, you know, be a solid catcher for them going forward. And Catchers are not a dime a dozen at all. They, they're tough to come by, good catchers. And Salvador Perez is one that has great leadership, is able to lead his staff. And with their young pitchers coming up, like Brady Singer, uh, Bubik, uh, you know, a couple of their bullpen arms like uh, Stalmont, they definitely need that leadership behind the plate to kind of guide these pitchers through games. And I think that's something that Salvador Perez definitely brings them. So I think this is a pretty good signing for them. Uh, four years, $82 million, maybe a little high money-wise uh, for a guy with his skill set, but I think for them it makes sense. Uh, he's beloved there, and uh, they get a club option on the end of it, which is obviously a good thing for the team, so it's a good deal. Yeah, and he'll be what, right around 34, 35 when this contract ends, so he's not going to be pushing too far into that uh, you know, past his prime area. Um, and like you said, for a young team that's still building up to have that veteran presence locked in behind the plate, um, especially for your young pitchers, it's it's very big. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump over to our prediction part of this episode. Um, we're going to give you each division um, and how we think it'll break down uh, in finishing position-wise. We'll give you our awards, and then we'll give you who we think our wildcard teams are just because we already have the divisions, and most likely it's going to be two divisions that whoever doesn't win, it's going to be the wild card team. Anyways, um, the NL central pretty much isn't going to have two teams in it this year. So, well, who do you have for the, uh, the NL East? How do you have that breaking down? So, so in the NL East, um, I have up, up at t- on the top of uh, the Atlanta Braves. Um, I like some of the additions they brought back this, they brought in this, uh, well, brought back spoiler alert, but they brought in this, the, this off season. Um, uh, I really like Charlie Morton. He's looked good this spring. His velocity seems to be back. Um, last year it took him a little bit of time to get going, but once he got going a little bit, he looked like the pitcher that we saw in 2019, 2018. That was really, really, really good. Um, so I think that's going to be, end up being a good signing. Um, the thing I like the most about the Braves though, and, and aside from bringing back Marcelo Zuna is that there's a lot of uncertainty and they're going to be right now. They're going to be a good team if nothing goes well for these it, with these areas. Because you got third base with Austin Riley, who's kind of a question mark. You've got center field with Christian Pache, which is kind of a question mark. And then you've got a couple of the back end of rotation guys who are a little bit of a question mark. So, but everywhere else, you've got great players. You got Ronald Acuna, you got Freddie Freeman, you got uh, Ozzy Albies, you got Darno catching. It's shortstop. You got Dansby Swanson, who seemed to be on a breakout tear last year. Um, Ozuna playing left field. So, you know, you feel like if all the things go poorly for the Braves, they're still a good team. But those guys that I mentioned, the question marks, they have really high upside. Like Ian Anderson has really high upside, even though we're not sure that he's going to be great this year. 
you know, you've got Soroka coming back. If he doesn't pitch at all, you probably still got a good rotation. But Soroka's got high upside. He was really good in 20, 2019. And then you look at center field, Pache's got, you know, really high upside. So I think if everything goes poorly, they'll be pretty good. Um, but I think one or two of those pieces, just by a law of averages, are going to go really, really well. And they all have high ceilings. So I like the Braves at first. I actually wrote down records with mine. So nobody criticized me for them not adding up correctly, but I tried. <laughs> Um, but I have the Braves winning about 95 games this year, so um, I, I like the Braves to win the division. Yeah, I have the Braves right up there as well. I mean, everything you just said, the Braves, I mean, they they took the Dodgers to seven games last year, and all they did was improve their team. You know, you bring in Charlie Morton, you're going to get Mike Soroka back. Um, you know, you're going to have another year of Acuna developing. You're going to have a year of Pache probably going to play a little bit more. You're going to have Ozzy Albies being back for a full season. You're going to have Danzy Swanson hopefully taking a little bit more of a step and becoming more consistent. Um, are you going to get MVP level Freddie Freeman like last year? Probably not to that quite that same level, but Freddie Freeman's still one of the best players in MLB. Um, so th- this is a very, very good team. You know, their bullpen could probably be a question mark just because Melanson and, and Shane Green and guys like that aren't there anymore. So, I mean, are they, you know, you have Will Smith and you have um, Chris Martin, but who else are you going to rely on in that bullpen um, to get some big outs? I know you have AJ Minter. And, yeah, and- yeah, that's that's probably the biggest question mark for me. The thing that I think is a hope for from the Braves organization is that a couple of these guys they have they've had all these pitching prospects for a long time. I think their hope is that one or two of like Tuki Toussaint, or Kyle Wright, uh, a couple of those guys who have kind of flirted with being in the rotation but haven't been able to stay consistent could develop there because they have great stuff could develop into uh, impact relievers. But uh, some of their offseason pickups were okay, like, in, and they've looked good in the spring. But that's definitely the question mark. I, I think the biggest question mark is that bullpen. So yeah, man, that, that's a question mark for a lot of teams in the major Absolutely. league baseball. So every team should be questioning their bullpen. So if that's the only thing the Braves really have to worry about, um, you know, and maybe third base. I mean, that, that could be a place where I see them making a move later in the season for, um, is, you know, depends on what Austin Riley and like Johan Camargo and people like that are doing at third base for the Braves. But um, second for my, on my end, at least for second in the division, as I have the New York Mets, um, you know, Jacob Durham is just, he's Jake, he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. Um, you bring in a guy like Francisco Lindor, you bring in, um, you know, Carlos Carrasco, when you get him back, you still have Michael Conforto. Um, you brought in James McCann to kind of, help solve your your catching issues i mean he's not the best out there but he's still going to be probably a pretty solid guy that you got um you know the, the biggest thing is going to are the, how are they going to fit everybody in you know because we don't have the dh as of yet um there's still some rumblings that that could happen maybe but as of right now you're going to have to try and find at bats for dominic smith somewhere and that's going to be in the outfield because you're not going to put him at first base and take pete alonzo out um but this is a very good team i feel like that can I don't think they're going to be able to push the Braves quite to the limit of, for that division, but it's going to be a very, very close race, probably within, I'd say, four to five games. Yeah, and I would agree with that uh, for the most part. I think the Mets are a really good team. Uh, I think Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball, and, and I don't think it's really all that close right now. Um, I think that you look at some of their some of their lineup, they got some good hitters. Um, I worry big time about them defensively um, because – 
you know, that ends up costing you a lot of runs when you're as bad defensively as they are. They added Francisco Lindor, which helps their defense immensely. But if you look around the diamond, I mean, first base, Pete Alonso is not good defensively. Second base, Jeff McNeil, very, very average defensively. J.D. Davis at third, not good defensively. Dom Smith at left field. Are you kidding? <laughs> he's terrible <laughs> out there. Michael Conforto can hold his own in right, but he's not great. And then in center, you know, they had flirted with adding a bunch of these, you know, top free agents like Springer, but, you know, they never did. They got like Jonathan VR and Jake Marisnik and they got Kevin Pillar, Kevin Pillar. And, you know, Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin Pillar is a good defender, but either way, I mean, you know, you catcher, Nemo I mean, too. Brandon Nemo. Yeah. But none of these guys are good defensive players and the catching. I mean, James McCann is not great. as a defensive player. I did not especially like that signing for them so uh but i mean i think their offense is gonna be good you know i think when when jacob Degrom pitches your defense isn't gonna matter because he's gonna strike everyone out but <laughs> you know sometimes defense is gonna matter for this team because when you look past jacob Degrom, well, at marcus stroman's a, he's not a strikeout pitcher i mean he's gonna that ball's gonna get put in play against him a lot and as we've seen in the past a lot of his skill set is tied to you know, to Babbitt and, and how his grounders are fielded. So um, you look at maybe like, um, and then you look beyond that in the rotation and you just don't know. I mean, you don't, how is Carrasco going to pitch this year a lot? Is he going to be healthy? What's he going to get you if he is healthy? Noah Syndergaard, how's his recovery going with, from Tommy John? And then at number five, I mean, you got a guy who wasn't really a high rated prospect last year, but, you know, had a pretty decent rookie year in um, David Peterson. So, I mean, there's definitely some big time question marks in the Mets, but this is a very good team that I have them winning about 89 to 90 games. So I think they pushed the Braves close to the end of the season, um, put a little bit of doubt in there. If everything goes wrong for the Braves with their question marks, the bullpen's bad, third base doesn't work out, uh, you know, center field doesn't work out, then the Mets could put, definitely push the Braves. They're, they're good enough for that. But I do have the Mets in second place. So who do you got in third? Third place, uh, I'm looking at the Phillies in third place. Um, you know, I think the top of their rotation is, is really solid with Aaron Nola and uh, Zach Wheeler, although I don't think it's quite as good as either the top two in the division in the rotation or fourth place in the rotation for that matter, and um, the division for that matter. But their lineup, they've got some good hitters in that lineup. I think they're going to be a little inconsistent in their lineup. Uh, you know, Bryce Harper is, is going to be solid most all the year. He'll have streaks where he looks like an MVP, but he'll have other times where he's just pretty good. Um, but Reese Hoskins is a real inconsistent hitter. You look at their some of their other pieces, and I mean, JT Real Muto is a really good catcher, but Gregorius at short is solid. But, you know, Alec Bohm, what's he going to get you? His defense isn't very good at third. Um, you know, and you got a couple pieces in the outfield, like in center field. I don't even know who's going to play center field. So, um, Sounds like know, a double Herrera. Yeah, or, yeah, and you don't know what you're going to get from him. He hadn't played in a couple of years. And if not him, it's probably like Roman Quinn or something. So Or Scott um, Kingery. Or Scott Kingery. And Scott Kingery has not been good the last couple of years. So no. he's, he's shown some flashes at times. But um, it'll be very interesting to see what the Phillies do. The bullpen is going to be the biggest problem for them. Their bullpen is just awful still, even though they added Archie Bradley. I mean, they're just bad. So... Um, yeah, this is the, I have the Phillies in third as well, and it's pretty much a team that they brought everybody that they had last year. They brought that back, and then they added Archie Bradley, Matt Moore, and Jose Alvarado. And, I mean, Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado to that bullpen is nice, 
But when you don't have a bullpen in the first place, and those are the only two guys you get in there, it's just like, okay, you, I mean, you put a Band-Aid over a, a wound that needs stitches. Like, you, yeah. you just you aren't doing much to help that, that point. And, you know, like you said, they're going to be streaky. I have missed third place right now. Um, if if everybody's on the, a good streak, then they might be able to push the Mets. But if everybody's on a bad streak, they you could see them fall down to fourth in this division. It's yeah. just – and their defense is atrocious. I mean, you're talking about the Mets' defense. I mean, this Phillies defense was the worst defense in Major League Baseball last year and one of the worst defenses in the history of Major League Baseball, especially up the middle from shortstop, second base, center field. Um, and they didn't really do anything to – to help that out. I mean, you're still going to be playing Gene Segura or you're going to be playing Scott Kingery at second and, or maybe Kingery in the outfield. And it's just, you, you didn't do anything to improve that all that infield all, all around is, is really bad at defense outside of JT Romuto. Um, and their defense, you know, in the outfield that who's going to play center. We don't know. None of them are really good defenders. McCutcheon isn't what he used to be. Um, Harper's still really good um, as a defensive right fielder, but, at that point, it's just like okay, you have one good defender on your on your team. So, it, I don't. I mean, I don't have high expectations for the Phillies. Um, I just put them in third because I, I think that Bryce Harper will have a really good year, and that if he gets hot, he can help carry them above the Marlins and the Nats. Yeah, I mean, they still have a, a talented offense, and the top two in their rotation is really solid. So, yeah, I, I think I do think that. Um, they have the potential. I think the top four in this division, or the top three in this division, have the potential to win the division. Yeah. And I think number four has the potential to be a wild card team. But, uh, but the Phillies, I mean, I have them third, pretty distantly behind the Mets and the Braves. I have them in, you know, just over eighty-one games, with a little over five hundred, probably like eighty-three and seventy-nine type type season. Um, you know, I think they're going to be good, but they're not quite to the level of the others in this division. So. Well, who do you got in fourth? Fourth place, I have the Nationals. Um, I really don't believe in the Nationals team this year. Um, I know Scherzer and Strasburg are really good, but Patrick Corbin seemed to really take a step back last year. Scherzer is finally showing some signs of aging, although he's still really, really good. I don't want to sit here. I'm not sitting here and saying that Scherzer's not a great pitcher because he is still, but he's not a every year Cy Young candidate that he was. And, um, Strasburg, you know, you just don't know how healthy he's going to stay. Behind that, you've got a bad bullpen. You've got a horrible, horrible rest of your rotation. I mean, you look at like Eric Fede has not been good. You got like John Lester is not as a shell of his former self. I don't think he's going to be very good. You know, you look at, I mean, whoever else, Joe Ross had pitched in two years. I mean, whoever else they might run out there, they have not shown very much there and then their lineup i feel like it just threw some bandages on it you got juan soto who's great you got trey turner who's great but i mean victor robles is a great defensive center fielder he has not shown any progress at the plate since he's been in the big leagues you go around the diamond i mean schwarber you know he's probably gonna hit a lot of home runs but he's not gonna hit you know he probably won't hit his weight and then You've got, you know, Josh Bell is very inconsistent and a poor defensive player, um, although he can get on a hot streak and hit some home runs. And then you just got a bunch of old guys. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not very high on the Nationals at all. I think they're going to finish below 500. Um, I think if things go right, if if Scherzer 
is Scherzer from the past five years and Strasburg is healthy, you know, and then some of these guys in their lineup end up having big years. Like Josh Bell is like his 2019 first half Josh Bell or, and Schwarber finally figures it out fully and, you know, Soto and Turner going to tear. I could see them making the playoffs, but there, there's still talent here. And in any other division, I might, I might pick them to win the central, but I just don't see them being able to beat the three teams ahead of them right now. See, I got a little bit flopped, so I'm actually going with the Marlins in fourth. Um, I'm really, like you said, I'm not high on the Nationals at all this year. I just don't trust that Steven Strasburg will stay healthy. Uh, Max Scherzer, I mean, while he's still really good, he's also started getting that injury bug hit him this past couple years. Um, You know, Patrick Corbin's injuries have started, or not injuries, but his just inconsistency is starting to become for longer stretches of time. You know, it used to be, I'm going to have one to two bad starts and I'll go for four to five decent to really good starts. And then we'll just start that. Well, it's more like I'm going to have three bad starts and then two good starts and then three bad starts and one good start. Um, and just the depth behind that. I don't really like the nationals depth at pitching wise, you know, Lester's okay. Joe Ross. I mean, what are you going to get out of him? And I just don't trust it, but the Marlins, I mean, I really like what the Marlins have done this year, especially after what they showed last year. You know, they didn't push all in for it, but they did bring in some solid pieces. I mean, you bring in Adam Duvall to help that team. You bring in Anthony Bass to go into that bullpen. You bring in a guy like, um, uh, who was the other one I saw? They brought in, oh, they traded for Dylan Floro. That's right, um, from the Dodgers. They traded for John Curtis to go into that bullpen. I mean, they just strengthened their bullpen a little bit more, and then you're taking that, you know, you're putting your your shoulders on that next step of Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, and then your batters just to keep getting better. You know, Brian Anderson's probably one of the most underrated hitters um, in the majors, and I, 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 I mean, he's so good. People don't understand how good he really is. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, he he took a really big step last year for the Marlins. Um, and I just like the way that team plays, and, and I have more confidence in the young and upcoming team than than the Nationals trying to hold on to what they had a couple years ago. Yeah, and I I do I I agree with your points on the Marlins. Uh, I just don't think they're quite there yet. I, I think Sixto Sanchez. I think teams started to figure him out a little bit at the end of the season, and uh, you know, in his last few starts, aside from his playoff start against the Cubs, he really didn't do all that well i think he's gonna have to make some adjustments uh look at pablo lopez and and sandy alcantara and i tell you those are two really good pitchers they're they're great um i think both of them are probably easy easily number twos in the big leagues i don't know if either one of them's quiet a number one but um you go into their um their bullpen and like you say they did do some things to strengthen it uh i don't think they really have any kind of big time relievers out there but they've got some pieces that are more interesting than the ones they had last year uh if you look at their lineup i, I think that's where you're going to see the concerns for me um they've got a couple guys back like like jesus aguilar um a full season of starling Marte is going to help uh brian anderson as you mentioned I've, I've liked him for a long time uh garrett cooper is pretty solid but there's just a lot of question marks here i mean alfaro is a strikeout machine and last year you know he probably improved a little bit but you know, a lot of it might have been some small sample size, uh, Babbitt luck. Um, you look at some of their other pieces, like, you know, are you going to get a huge year out of John Birdie? Are you going to get a huge year out of uh, Corey Dickerson again? I mean, he, Corey Dickerson's fine, but, 
I just Adam Duvall is kind of a an a, a enigma to me. You know, he could go on a tear and hit 15 home runs in uh, two months, or he could strike out uh, 200 times next year. It's just hard to say. Uh, so there's some there's some interest here. Uh, if they're way more interesting than they have been. I do think they're a year or two away. I think they're going to add some pieces in the near future, as in like you know they've got some good prospects. I mean you look at JJ Bladay, he's a yep. top top prospect. Uh, Monte Harrison, he got his taste a taste of the big leagues last year, but I think you know maybe a year of seasoning for him would, would, would in AAA is going to help. Um, you know, and they got a bunch of other guys down in, I think, in the uh, upper and, minors. And I think Jazz Chisholm should Jazz be up this Ch- year. Oh yeah, Jazz Chisholm. He's got a chance to be up this year. And um, you know, he, he played on the big league team a pretty good bit last year. But you know, some of these guys I think still need a little bit of seasoning. That they played in the big league team by necessity last year because of the COVID situation they had. But uh, I think I mean the Marlins are going to be pretty good. They're going to be a dangerous team. You're not going to if you're in a pennant race at the end of the year, you're not going to want to play them. But with all these young pieces and there's just so many question marks here, and I don't know if their offense is going to be good enough for them to really contend for anything more than you know just trying to upset a team's season. So uh, I, I have them in fifth. I, I don't think they're. I have the Nationals ahead of them just because I feel like the Nationals have the potential to be a playoff team. Like, they have the pieces there. The Marlins, not quite there yet. But I think in the next couple of years, if they're able to keep everyone together, they could be. Yeah, and, and like, I don't, I don't think the Marlins are there yet either. Um, but I just have more faith in them now um, as that young team trying to trying to go for it a little bit. I mean, they're not going for it all, all out, but... Um, I mean, some nice additions to a team that, you know, they snuck into the playoffs because of the expanded playoffs last year, and they did better than what they were supposed to do. But I think that might give them a little bit more life Um, where the Nationals are trying to, you know, find the magic of, okay, well, we've lost Anthony Rendon. We lost Bryce Harper. Yes, we have Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Our pitchers are starting to age. The injuries are starting to hit them more. I I just, it's hard for me to think that the Nationals are going to be anything this year. I mean, like you said, Josh Bell, I mean, is he going to be 2019 first half Josh Bell, or is he going to be the Josh Bell who's not been really good at all? Um, so they're, they're an interesting that, that four or five, I mean, that you can put them either way. I, I think that's how it's going to go is, is one way or the other, but um, there, there's a clear separation of the top three teams in this division. Yeah, I think. for sure. So, um, so now we'll, uh, we'll move on and go on to the next division here. I think uh, our analyst predictions were pretty similar, uh, but I think we might have some disagreement here on the National League Central. Um, who do you have? Uh, who do you have taken the Central there, Damian? I don't think we're going to have too much disagreements. I have the Milwaukee Brewers winning the NL Central this year. Okay. Um, I really like uh, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns uh, at the top of that that rotation. Corbin Burns he struggled a little bit so far this spring training with just command wise, but he showed a lot last year. Um, uh, it looks like Christian Yelich is going to bounce back, especially with him getting that in-game footage back. I think he'll be, you know, back to maybe not MVP Yelly level, but he'll be pretty back to a really, really good player. Um, I, I like Kiston Hira as long as he's not playing defense, uh, he's going to have to. But um, they, they're starting to move him to first base a little bit more. Uh, I just think the Brewers are a really sneaky team. Their bullpen, when you have Devin Williams and Josh Hader being able to shut that down. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be very flashy. I don't think that the, the central is all that strong anyways. Any of these top three teams could really win the division, 
but uh, I, I really like what the Brewers have put together and how they're looking so far. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I have the Brewers winning it as well. Uh, I have them at, at you know about eighty-seven wins. Um, I like I like that top of the rotation. Like you said, that those are two of the better pitchers out there, and I think they've done enough adding to maybe be able to scrape together enough of the rest of the rotation to to steal some games there. Uh, but you look down at their lineup, you know if. Christian Yelich bouncing back is probably the the big deal there, but you've got some other pieces too. I think Colton Wong was a pretty sneakily good signing, yes. um, and you've got a you know Keston Hira. I think is it's going to have a pretty good year at first base. Um, you know uh, they added uh, they added Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, yes. to the outfield, and I think that was a pretty nice signing. I think he'll do well in Milwaukee. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, they've got some pretty solid pieces around the diamond and shortstop. You know, you got a, uh, you got Orlando Arcia. Um, I think he's a pretty solid player. So I don't think their lineup is great. I think they're going to need some help in the lineup to, to win the to win the division. But I think that they might be able to get that. And with this being such a weak division, I think that uh, you're going to see the Milwaukee Brewers have a a good chance to win this one. But it, this division really is a crapshoot. So. Yeah, at, at second, I have the Chicago Cubs. Um, and, and this is, let me say, it's not a very big margin at all. I, I think that this is going to go down to the last couple days of the season, um, really. I just think that the major flaw for the Cubs is going to be the bullpen and the back end of their rotation. Um, you know, they when you trade you Darvish away, and I mean, you bring in Zach Davies. You know, Zach Davies and Kyle Hendricks. I mean, the, they're, the, Kyle Hendricks is really good. Zach Davies is really solid. Um, and just overall, like, are you going to trade Chris Bryant? Are you going to trade Javi Baez? I mean, what's happening with Anthony Rizzo? Um, you know, you brought in Jock Peterson, you're going to guarantee him playing every day. He hasn't had that opportunity yet, so he could boom, he could bust in it. Uh, it's just, it's overall, is Jason Hayward going to be the Jason Hayward that we saw last year who was really, really good, or is he going to kind of revert back to when he's just, he's an okay major league reliever, plays really solid defense, but at the plate, he's just, not as you know, not what he was last year. Is Ian Happ going to take that next development? Uh, who's going to be your second baseman? I mean, it, there's a lot of questions with this Cubs team. You know, if the t- the talent is there for sure, um, it's just is everybody going to be able to play up to that level? Who are you going to trade anybody? Who are you going to be able to resign? There's a big cloud over this Cubs franchise with what's going to happen this next year or so, and I just wonder if that's going to come into the affect the way that they handle this season. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of that. Um, you know, I think the potentials there. You know, there's just a lot of a lot of variables. I mean, Chris Bryant's got to be healthy. Uh, you've got to have Anthony Rizzo continue to play at a high level, which I think he will. Um, but Javier Baez is very inconsistent um, at the plate with his his approach at the plate is atrocious. He's been able to just based off of his pure talent, been able to hit the ball, you know hit well every now and then. For, for an extended period, but he's, he's just going to always be inconsistent with his current approach. He just swings so much. And you look at um, the, the outfield and, you know, it's, I think they're going to be good on offense. I, I really do. I mean, you look at the outfield, Jock Peterson, I don't believe Jock Peterson against lefties is a good option, but you know, you've, you've, he's still, he's going to crush against righties. He's got in the outfield. Jason Hayward's going to be good. They'll find somebody that breaks out, probably playing second or center field or something. You know, they got Nico Horner, who wasn't great last year, but uh, you know he's a high high rated prospect. 
Uh, David Bodie's still there. He, he could be a solid piece. Wilson Contreras is going to hit pretty well for a catcher. Um, but I, I agree with you. The issue here is the – I think the issue is the rotation as much as the bullpen, but both of them are issues. The bullpen's a huge issue. and uh, But the rotation, I mean, you got you got Hendricks, who – Hendricks is solid, but you also lose Lester, who wasn't great anymore, but he was still steady, if anything. Uh, you lose Quintana, who – not like you know he had, he had been banged up a little bit the last couple of years but he was a part of what you expected the Cubs to be good um but I mean who are they gonna start Alec Mills is gonna be their number three I mean uh then you look at their at their uh bullpen and I mean it, there's just not much there it's just, Andrew Chafe yeah. is probably the best reliever I mean yeah I mean they if you look at what they've done in the pitching staff, they brought in Brandon Workman in the bullpen. They brought in Jake Arrieta back for yeah, a I mean, Renaissance type thing this year. They brought in Trevor Williams from the Pirates, who I think he could be really good. Um, you know, he was okay on the Pirates. I think that he could be pretty decent on the Cubs. Cole Stewart, I mean, they agreed to, I think, a major league deal with him even. Outside of that, I mean, they really didn't do, I mean, along with Zach Davies, you know, you traded. Um, some of your other people away. Um, Dwayne Underwood was a guy that they traded away. Victor Carantini, they traded away for the offensive side of the ball. You Darvish, obviously. I, I just, I, I don't know how to feel about what this team is going to be bullpen wise and, and just pitching staff in general. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of uh, noise surrounding this team too, with the upcoming off season. And I just don't know. It reminds me a little bit of back in, maybe it was 2016 with the Royals or 2017 where they kind of were around 500 half the season. They still had a couple star players like Lorenzo Cain and Moustakas and a couple of those guys, but Alex Gordon, but they couldn't decide whether they wanted to go for it or not. That seems like what the Cubs have been this off season. They haven't decided whether they're going to go for it. Cause if they were going to go for it, then they shouldn't have traded you Darvish and they shouldn't have traded Victor Caratini and they shouldn't have released Kyle Schwarber. They should have just gone for it with the core and added right. to it. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, this, this screams team that if they're around 500 at the deadline, has got decisions to make. But uh, as of right now, I haven't finished in second as well. About 86 wins, 85 wins. I think they're going to be within a game or two of the Brewers if they stick together. But um, following those those two is the other team that I think is probably one of the three teams we have as potential champions in this division, and that would be, for me, the Cardinals. I think, um, you know, they just added Nolan Arenado, which is big. Um, but I don't, I'm not a big believer in their rotation or bullpen at all. Um, I don't really think Jack Flaherty's as good as a lot of people have given him credit for. And then behind him, you know, you're going to miss Dakota Hudson for a while. Um, and then – you know, you've got um, Kim back there in the bull, in the in the starting rotation, who had a good ERA last year, but his peripherals were not good. Um, and you got Miles Mikolas if he's healthy and effective. Who knows? Um, the bullpen, they've got a couple pieces there, but it's hard to say what they're going to give you. Uh, Carlos Martinez, what's he going to give you? Um, you know, the lineup's got to be solid, but it's top heavy. As in, you got Arenado. You got uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and then you've got uh, you've got uh, Paul DeYoung. So you've got a few good pieces there, but you know, I just you, you know, you got in the rotation the 
old Adam Wainwright. I, I mean, it's just hard to it's hard to vi- envision this team putting together a big time season this year. But with the like I say, the state of this division, you know, I think right around third place and within a game or two of the win of the division is probably accurate for them. Yeah, I mean, I have the Cardinals at third too. There's plenty of question marks, like you said. Um, you know, you, right now your second best starter is going to be Adam Wainwright. Um, Kim, I mean, we've talked about he's already been dealing with some stuff. Um, I think Michaelis is also dealing with a little bit of injury stuff. He's been set back a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Dakota Hudson's going to be out for a while. Um, are, are, are you going to get anything out of Alex Reyes this year? I mean, is he going to be anything like a starter, or is he just going to be a bullpen guy? What are you doing with Carlos Martinez? I mean, is, is he going to be a bullpen guy, or are you going to make him, is he, or is he going to be forced into the rotation because you have no other option? Um, you know, obviously the trade for Nolan Arenado was a pretty big one um, to lock him in at third base with Paul Goldschmidt over at first base. Um, but letting Colton Wong go, I think that's going to hurt them, especially defensively, quite a lot. I mean, he's a guy who could lock down that second base and sometimes in center field for them. Um, and was con- he was consistent at the plate. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was consistent. Um, Paul DeYoung, I mean, he can be good, but at the same time, he's he's he struggles quite often. Um, you know, you traded Dexter Fowler away, which he hadn't been much, but still, I mean, you're going – I think they're going to go with Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and I forget – Dylan is Dylan Carlson, Carlson is, is he going to be up this year? Yeah, I mean, I would assume it'd be Dylan Carlson. And you would think so. I, they feel like they've had another outfield prospect that I keep forgetting. Yeah. They've been wanting to get right. It was it was Tyler O'Neill and it was uh, – who was the other one? Dang it. Um, anyways, we'll think about it. But, I mean, what's Jordan Hicks going to be? Um, you know, is Austin Gomber going to be starting for you? I mean, these, this is all questions around this Cardinals team that it's just like – it's too many questions to feel like they're to be confident in them. Um, you know, Jack Flaherty, I think he's, I think he's really good. Is he a top of the rotation starter? I think so. Is he one of the best starters in major league baseball? I don't think so. I mean, I think he's, he, he's right in that kind of B to, to C tier. Maybe um, he, he's got a lot of development left to do still. I believe he, he goes on stretches like that second half of 2019. He was, amazing and then he came back 2020 and he really struggled now was that the COVID year i think he's he's an upper tier number two if i had to pick him at people some people talk like he's the number one i think he's an upper tier number two for for a good team you know yeah it's just there's so many questions around this team and that's kind of what i'm leading to is just so many questions around this team that it's it's hard to to pick them to do anything successful you know with the brewers we were like okay you have yelich you you brought in some decent pieces this year good the cubs it's like okay you have basically the remnant still of a, of a world series team it's like the cardinals it's like okay you've traded a lot or you've traded to get paul goldschmidt and nolan arenado but what else do you have uh you know and jack flaherty i mean if you want to throw him into that conversation but outside of those it's like you don't have anything else really um so Definitely, they they can still div- battle for this division, especially if if Arenado gets back to you know twenty nineteen Arenado, twenty eighteen Arenado. Um, but it, it it's all question marks. Um, I think we both have the the nine and ten or the not nine ten the the four and five in this division uh, with the Reds and the Pirates. I think finishing fourth and fifth. Yeah, and for the Reds, I think you still got your two two of your top 
arms in, in your rotation. Sonny Gray, even though there's question marks about his health at the start of the season, you know, he'll be back at some point and he'll be solid. And then you've got uh, uh, Castillo as your number two and or number one. I think Castillo's great. So you got two really good pitchers there. The rest of it, I mean, you still got Tyler Molly, and he's shown flashes of being a pretty solid pitcher. Um, you know, your bullpen, you got – I think you've got – I think they're underrated. I think a lot of people are going to see, you know, without Rosella Iglesias, are going to think, wow, that bullpen's trash now. But they've still got Amir Garrett, who can – who at times looks pretty good from the left side, um, is a, like kind of a lefty specialist. Uh, I think Lucas Sims is actually pretty good. Uh, he, he's made some adjustments as he's gotten to Cincinnati that have made him – that have improved him, I think. Uh, the lineup – so a lot of question marks there. You know, are you going to get a big season from Suarez again, or are you going to get what he what he showed last year, which is just a real high strikeout, but he'll hit home runs every now and then, but he's going to strike out a ton and not really be consistent. Um, what are you going to get from Joey Votto? You know, he has he's missed a lot of the spring with COVID. Is he going to come back and you know is he going to have a little bit of a, a rebound year, or is he pretty much done? I mean, you've got some other pieces out there like is Sinzel going to break out is he finally gonna show the talent that he has or is he gonna have another year where he's battling injuries and inconsistency are you gonna have uh shogo akiyama uh how's he gonna do out there and you know is he gonna be able to build off of a pretty decent rookie year uh jesse winker i think is gonna hit pretty well and not fin great this team has some potential um you know tucker barnhart's really good defensively behind the plate not a great hitter uh they got some potential I, I think they could maybe sneak in there if everything goes right if they have a couple breakout players uh they could maybe sneak into there into the into the you know top of that division but i, I have them just right around or, or below 500 right now just a few games back of the other teams here yeah um uh, right around that. i think they're a, a 500 team to be honest yeah. um and the Pirates, I mean, they're going to be one of the worst yeah. in Major League Baseball. There's Pirates. not really, there's not really much to be excited yeah, about Pirates, with that Pirates, Pirates team. Pirates going to be terrible. Um, I think it will be interesting to watch a couple of their players, like Brian Hayes, though. Yeah. Well, we uh, we'll jump over to the NL West. Um, this is a two horse race. I mean, we in some order, it's going to be Dodgers and Padres. It, you know, I believe. I mean, I have it as the Dodgers winning the division, and the Padres is going to be one of those wild card teams. Um, I just think that the Dodgers, I mean, they really didn't, they really didn't get worse at all. And, and they upgraded that pitching staff and they got the depth of it, you know, bringing in Trevor Bauer, you're going to push guys like Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May probably to the bullpen. Um, you know, you lose guys like a Jock Peterson and a Kike Hernandez, which those are still going to be very big losses. Um, but the Dodgers have always been about that depth. Um, you know, so that's going to get guys like Edwin Rios and Matt Beatty and, and uh, Zach McKinstry, guys who weren't able to get so much playing time last year um, or the past couple years, they're going to get more playing time. Um, it looks like Gavin Lux is going to get the full-time role at second base now. Uh, so I, I I just don't think that this Dodgers team has many holes in it. I mean, I think they, they've even improved the bullpen, especially being able to throw those starters um, down into the bullpen with it. I just don't know where, where they would really question this team um, and the, I think the Padres' depth between their pitching staff and their bullpens really what's going to hurt them um, and allow the Dodgers that advantage to still win this division. Yeah, and and I think the Dodgers have a good, really good shot. I was fifty fifty really between these two, but 
to be play devil's advocate, I was going to go with the Padres. I feel like the Padres have a higher upside in a regular season format. I think if you look at the Padres' uh, back end of their of their rotation, it, there's a couple of some question marks there, but their offense is so good. I think the Dodgers at times can be a little inconsistent in the regular season. You see some of their guys have pretty high strikeout rates. Guys like like Cody Bellinger will have stretches where he's striking out a lot, you know, especially after watching him last year. So I'm like Max Muncy, a uh, guy who can strike out a good bit at times. Um, you got, I, I just feel like, I feel like there's going to be a aura around this Padres team to a certain level that they're going to do really well. And I don't know why I feel that way, but uh, I think if the, you look at their rotation, you got Darvish and, You've got uh, Lamette when he comes back, which should be sounds like it's going to be pretty early in the season compared to what we were kind of expecting. Uh, I think uh, what's his name uh, Musgrove's going to do well for them. You know, there's some pieces still there. I mean, you might even see Mackenzie Gore come up this year. Uh, that would be a big piece for them. And then their lineup's got so many talented players. They're great defensively. Uh, I, I worry a tiny bit about the Dodgers. Some of their players being you know, with their aging, you know, you look at Kershaw, he hasn't uh, in a full season. Last year he was great, but he was, it was a shortened season over a full season stretches. He's battled some of those back problems. And I worry just a little bit about Kershaw and, and being able to stay healthy. Um, I worry a little bit about the back end of the bullpen. I, I think Trinan's pretty good, but Kenley Jantz didn't look great last year. I think Gratterall is going to eventually take over that role. But is Gratterall going to be a, like a superstar reliever or is he just going to be a good reliever? Um, and then I think you look at some of their players in their lineup too, like like Justin Turner or Max Muncy or somebody maybe aging a little bit. But, um, you, know, I, you know, like I say, sometimes the biggest reason I think I, I made this pick of the Padres is because a lot of times you come back for a second year and, and the Dodgers, uh, right after a World Series, there could be that little bit of a World Series hangover to a certain level. And you see it a lot of times. You saw it with the Red Sox a couple of years ago with basically the same team. They didn't make the playoffs. Um, you know, you saw it with uh, – you see it all the time. And, you know, I think the Dodgers are such a talented team that they'll be able to overcome that in their record and stuff. But I think it might be enough for the Padres to be able to sneak in there and win the division. Although, spoiler alert, I do have the Pod Dodgers going a long way in the postseason. So, um, But I, I do think the Padres are number one for me, uh, for, for whatever reason. Kind of a bold pick, but... I mean, like like you said, there's going to be an aura around that Padres team. They're so fun. That's the thing is that they're, you know, I hate that they're in our division and that I have to root against them to to not do good because they're a team that you want to root for, um, especially if you know if you're a, a, a fan of a team not in this division. Um, the Padres are hard to root against. I mean, it's just I. I guess part of it for me is that we've seen the Dodgers be there for, I mean, they're the guys who have been around. I mean, eight straight division titles. It's, it's a little bit of, okay, show me Padres. You, you did good last year, but show me that next step. Show me you're ready for that. Um, so maybe that that's kind of that. And obviously I'm, I have a little bit of Dodger bias there. Not at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> Some of the guys yeah. you mentioned uh, that you're talking about them getting more playing time, uh, you know, like Matt Beatty, I, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not high, super high on him, stuff like that. Well, I mean, Matt Beatty, I mean, he, he hasn't got a full run, but yeah. from what, what we've seen about him, I mean, he's, I'm saying Matt Beatty in relative of, okay, can he give you similar production to what 
uh, a guy you were bringing up. In well, the like Kike Hernandez. Like, no, I don't think he's Kike Hernandez. Uh, right, um, but I'm just saying, like, that's who he'd have to be replacing is Kike Hernandez. Like, you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying that they've got worse. I, I think they probably yeah. even got better a little bit. But, you know, I'm just thinking that if you look yeah, at and- and then, if you look at the and the main the main thing for me just is that kind of World Series hangover type thing, but and that could be real. I mean, yeah. I, it, we've seen it over and over. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see, and that this division is going to be a dogfight. Like those eighteen games that we're getting between the Padres and Dodgers this year is going to be, you know, World Series level games. I, I think. I mean, they're, the intensity alone is going to make it feel like a playoff game. Yeah. Just between the fans, let alone what the teams are actually doing. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, we kind of have a little flip-flop here. Uh, we both have the Rockies in the bottom of the division. Yes, um, very but much I'm, so. I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks finishing third in this division, um, and then the Giants finishing fourth in the division. Yeah, um, I have Yeah, ahead. I have the Giants third and the Diamondbacks fourth, but um, go ahead. Yeah, I just think that the uh, – I think that you're going to get a little bit more of a bounce back from Cattell Marte. Um, you know, I like what Cole Calhoun did last year. David Peralta is still really good. When Zach Gallen comes back, you're going to have a full season of Zach or, or you know, how much ever of him to improve on what he did last year. I think Luke Weaver can have a little bit more of a bounce back. I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. Um, I don't think he's as good as I think what his 2019 or 2018 was, but I, I just, I don't think that giants team is going to be a team that they're, they're at the end of the run and they're starting to hit that reset button. I kind of feel like, you know, they still have Belt, they still have Crawford, um, you still have Posey coming back this year, but you got a, a Johnny Cueto on the last year of his deal that you're most likely going to trade. Um, you know, you sign guys like Alex Wood to one-year deals. I, I think the Giants are more of a team like, oh, we're going to be decent and then try and trade the people off at the deadline where the Diamondbacks are going to be like, well, we have our team, this is who it's going to be, and we're just going to go forward with that. Yeah, and, you know, I think the biggest thing for me with the Giants are they scream average. Like, they're not great, and they're not bad. Like, Buster Posey, at this stage of his career, screams average. He's still going to be a decent defender. He can't play every day at catcher. He's going to hit decently. He's going to hit for some contact. He's not going to hit for much power. He screams average. Brandon Belt, first baseman, screams average to me. He's going to have a, you know, 270, 350, 470-type slash line, and he's going to hit pretty well. He's going to play average defense for first base. He's going to be about a two-win player. He's going to be average. You look at uh, Brandon Crawford. He's going to play good defense at shortstop. He's going to hit okay for a shortstop. He's going to be average. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, I think, is a, a guy who who ha- has impressed me a lot. Um, you know, I'm really high on him. I think the rotation, you look at, like, Kevin Gossman made some strides last year. He's back for them. Alex Wood, I think it's a good signing if he can stay healthy. Uh, like you said, Johnny Cueto is still there. He's going to be a pretty – he's going to be an average pitcher. Uh, their bullpen has some somewhat interesting pieces. They, they're not great, but uh, you know, you might even somewhat sometime this year have Joey Bart start to kind of figure it out at the major league level. You got some high level prospects like like him, and there uh, they still have Evan Longoria, right? Yes, they do. So yeah, I mean, you still got a guy who uh, could could be a pretty solid player at third base. So I mean, this is a team that you know they they have a lot of veteran players. I think they're just a very average team that will – I have them. I wrote down on my thing. I have them 81 and 81. I just think they're perfectly in the middle. Uh, but the, they're not going to be anywhere near the Dodgers and the Padres. No. But they're also just not bad. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I think you could flip flop those two either way. In any- you, you maybe could. I the Diamondbacks don't. The, the biggest thing about the Diamondbacks that worries me is their bullpen. I think their bullpen's horrible. So oh, yeah. you and then their rotations really only got one or two guys who have some kind of some form of uh, upside to them right now at this stage. You know, with 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 Gallon and maybe Weaver. But, you know, their bullpen's bad, and then their lineup's got a lot of holes in it. I mean, Cattell Marte could make, take his, you know, have his has, have his rebound this year, and I think he will. Uh, Cole Calhoun showed some strides last year. Christian Stewart, uh, I believe is his name, or Walker. Christian Walker, Christian Walker. is the one on the, the uh, – I always get hit those two confused. Christian Stewart, obviously, playing on the uh, Tigers. Yeah. But um, – you know, I, I like these guys uh, for the for the Diamondbacks, but I just don't think they have quite as much as the, especially with Zach Gallen being out for an extended period. I, I just don't think they have quite as much as the Giants do, especially in the way of veteran players. Uh, and then obviously we both just wanted to touch on the Rockies real quick. We both have them number five. But there could be some interesting players here. Um, I think they're pitching with Herman Marquez is going to be an interesting guy to watch. If I was the Rockies, I'd trade him immediately because I don't, I think the Rockies are going to be a pretty good amount of time away from contending. And Herman Marquez is very valuable. I, I think he's great. Uh, and then they've also got Trevor story. Who's going into a contract year. Trade him too. They ought, they ought to trade him, but you know, he could put up huge numbers this year. The pressure's all off. Um, I can see him putting up a huge season. Uh, going into this contract year. And then you also have, um, you know, a couple guys that are interesting, like Brandon Rogers and, uh, and Garrett Hampson that are young guys that you'd like to see what kind of strides they can take this year for, for the Rockies. So there's going to be some interesting things to watch with the Rockies, even though they're going to battle the pirates for the worst team in the national league for sure. So, yeah. Um, like you said, the Rockies are just not good. They yeah. should trade Marquez and Story right away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, and and just hit the full reset button. I mean, it, you you can't do anything yeah. else after trading your face your franchise like Nolan Arenado. So, but uh, let's go ahead and jump down to who we have in our rewards predictions, and I'll let you go ahead and go first. Yeah. Um, so this mine will be pretty quick because I got two of them. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I got one guy winning two of the awards, but um, I have for, for my rookie of the year. I actually have uh, Ian Anderson. I wasn't sure. I, I had asked Damian before the show if he was still a rookie because last year, obviously, he pitched in six. He started six games in the regular season, and I wasn't sure because of how they how last year was a limited season if they still counted that as being part of his rookie status or if they like prorated it or whatever. But um, it sounds like he is a rookie. I really like his potential. He's looked great this spring. The other day, he had nine strikeouts in four and a third innings uh, in his last spring tune-up. Uh, so I really like his potential. I think he's going to have a breakout year for the Braves. Um, and then uh, I've got, for my Cy Young and MVP, I've got Jacob deGrom. I think Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball and by a pretty good margin. Uh, you know, if you went off of last year's stats alone, you can maybe argue for Shane Bieber, but – I mean, uh, Jacob deGrom's got the track record. He's come out this spring throwing, looking the best he's ever looked, which is pretty insane to me because he's been the best pitcher in baseball for two or three years now. And uh, this guy is insane. He won two Cy Youngs in a, war, in a row the last two full seasons we had. Last year, there's no doubt in my mind he would have won the Cy Young if, we, if they played a full season because he was really coming along the second half of the, the, the shortened season last year. Um 
this guy, this guy's going to be the reason the Mets or it, it, for me in the playoffs. It's just, it's going to be because Jacob deGrom is so dominant in every one of his outings that they're able to win a lot of his starts. And, you know, whether whether he gets the wins or not, they're going to win a lot of his starts and he's going to be the reason they make the playoffs. So, uh, especially with some of these pitching injuries that we're hearing about now. So I have DeGrom being the Cy Young and the MVP. Yeah, and uh, for, for my um, awards, I went with um, Cabrian Hayes for my Rookie of the Year. Um, I just, especially with how we had the shortened season last year, I'm not sure how they're going to push the pitchers all that all, that much. You know, I don't know how many innings Ian Anderson has really thrown throughout his minor league career um, through full seasons. So it could be a point where they try and limit him as much as they can, you know, especially maybe spot start him every once in a while and give him a day off or an extra blow during the rotation one time. Um, Cabrian Hayes, he'll play every day for the the Pirates just because, I mean, he's going to be their best option that they have. Um, he's shown flashes at times over the past couple of years, getting limited time that he can be really, really good. Um, so I, I kind of, for the rookie of the year, I went with somebody who's going to play every day, um, sort of like I did on the MVP, which we'll get to in a minute. But for my Cy Young, I went with Blake Snell um, from the Padres. I just feel that Blake Snell is going to come out this year, especially after what happened in the World Series. Um, he's going to have kind of a chip on his shoulder and a kind of chip towards the pod or to, towards the Tampa Bay Rays and just say, like, look, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy I was in 2018 and I, when he did win the Cy Young in the AL. Um, and, you know, the the – Focus is going to be on what you Darvish can do for that team. And I just think that Blake Snell, I mean, he's already shown what he can do against the Dodgers, especially in that World Series. So he's a guy who I'm really looking forward to to watching this year in the NL. Uh, and I did that more of a, uh, you know, Jacob deGrom is an easy pick to ride in. And I just kind of wanted to have a little bit more fun with it um, and play devil's advocate a little bit to, to Matt here. Um, but for our MVP uh, is interesting. We both have it on the same team. Uh, we both picked New York Met, but I went with Francisco Lindor. Wow. Um, I picked Lindor because he's going to go to New York. He's going to be in the, the spotlight. Um, he's going to get the attention. Uh, they're going to try and push the narrative that the Mets are back. And Lindor is going to be a big reason of why that attention is there. Um, you know, they've had DeGrom, they've had Conforto and stuff, and they haven't made the playoffs really. And I just think that they're going to push this Lindor and he's looked really good in spring so far as well. Um, and I think he's going to want to try and, and play you know, up to the level to, to, especially cause he's on a contract year and he's trying to get a massive, massive extension for the Mets right now as well. So it could be a thing that he tries to push a little harder. So just a guy, I mean, he's got close in the American league before, but it's going to be interesting. I wanted to, I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, so I wanted to write him down as that. Um, and then we kind of just wanted to mention what our wild card teams were, um, and I have mine as the Padres and the Mets because they're the. It's going to come out of the NL West and the NL East. Whoever finishes second, and in that division, and, and I had it as Padres Mets. Yeah, I have the in mine. I have the the Dodgers and the Mets. But I, I will say one thing about the wild card in that the NL East is so deep that if the Marlins do take a step forward, a big step forward with, with a lot of their young players and the nationals are able to kind of keep it together. Some 
I, I think that there's a possibility they beat each other up so bad with the NL Central having the Reds and the Pirates in there and the Pirates being just horrible and the Reds, maybe they trade away a couple more pieces or maybe Sonny Gray doesn't come back healthy for a while and their offense doesn't bounce back. You could maybe see a couple teams in the Central have really good records because they're playing a lot of games against bad teams. Whereas in the NL East, there's really no off days in that in that division except unless the Marlins end up being pretty bad, which maybe, but um, – I think that's going to be interesting to look at how that wild card race works out. I definitely think the NL West is going to get two teams in regardless. I think the Padres and the Dodgers are both going to be in, but the East, because it's so deep, I do think there might be a little bit of a question mark there, but I do pick the the two top teams in the East for sure. So, Yeah, very interesting. Um, so that's our, our NL division and an awards breakdown. Um, so we will come back next week. We'll bring the uh, the AL division breakdowns and probably more of our playoff predictions as well. Yeah, um, that'll be our our last episode before opening day. I mean, once we talk to you guys again, it'll be two days until opening day on uh, on April Fool's Day. So oh yeah, it's it's right around the corner. I, um, I, just, I just have a I have a gut feeling that they're gonna say we're starting the season on time, April Fools. Yeah, no, no. I have a feeling that we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna turn on the TV and they're just gonna be like, "Oh, guess what? We were supposed to have thirty thousand fans in the stands. <laughs> April Fools." Yeah, and uh, and we're gonna kind of see what we had last year. But I mean, it, it's right around the corner. It's what we've kind of been anticipating. I know we we keep saying it, but I think that just goes to our level of how excited we are for this baseball season. Uh, we have so many different stories, so many teams that look like they can be so good. And uh, and especially with everything that happened in this past year, you know, getting a it started on time. What looks like with fans in every baseball stadium, um, good time to be a baseball fan. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, too. The special thing about this time of the year is every single team's fans are excited because even for the teams Unless like the, the Pirates. Well, I was going to say, even for the teams like the Pirates and the Rockies, they're excited too because you're about to have baseball and you're about to get to see some of your star players. The, the, the Pirates, you're about to see the guy who might end up being the fa- face of your franchise for the next 10 years and Brian Hayes go out there and compete for Rookie of the Year. If you're the Rockies, you're about you're, to go see a, a, a guy who in Trevor Story. You're who, trading in six months. You might be, but <laughs> you're still ex- you're the Rockies, you're still so excited to see Trevor Story and see if he can chase down like a 40-40 season or something. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, every team's excited. Um, I think, uh, you know, more so this time of year, we love playoff baseball. We love the pennant race. Those are obviously so special, but everyone's excited right now. It, it just, just, even if your team just completely blows and has no star players and has no prospects or whatever, you're still excited. You're going to get see baseball. So, and we're going to see it on time and we're going to get 102 more games of it, hopefully than we did last year for each team. So, uh, I'm excited. I think everyone's excited, and we're hoping that we have a great year. And um, I hope our predictions come true because this looks like a. I think if you have the Braves, Mets, a big time rivalry, and you have the Padres and the Dodgers, who are a big time rivalry, and you throw in the Brewers there in the in the playoffs with with some of their star power, I think that'll be a really exciting playoff. So postseason for the National League. So I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the season to start. And, uh, you know, I'm also ready to talk about the AL next week because I have a feeling that that one's going to be a lot more disagreement than this one. Yeah, I think there will be more disagreements next week. Um, oh, yeah. I know that there's a couple teams that we're very high and, and very low on 
um, just from our private conversations that we have. Um, you know, from the NL, it's just the battles. I mean, the battles throughout the year that we're going to see, it's going to be amazing. So, yeah. But uh, that's been this Bat Flip Podcast episode, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. And thanks for joining us.